Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezot Shem will be learning Daf Lamed Beis, Lave, or Love, in Maseches Kiddushin. Uh, but we are in 12 lines up from the wide lines of Lamed Aleph and Beis. We are still discussing the sugya of Kibud Avaim. This might be our last uh, shear of the year. Bezot Hashem, tomorrow is Erev uh, Hashanah, and it's all Slichas all day. Okay, so here we go. Ravasi havaleahi ima zakena. You see it? So Ravasi's mother was elderly, and it seems that dementia may have set in. She started saying strange things. And so the obligation of kibadava aim doesn't go away, right? Just because your parents don't necessarily appreciate it, or just because your parents aren't necessarily, you know, uh, in a state where they can be normal doesn't mean that the obligation goes away. And she started saying the following things. And so the question is, how do you handle it? So first of all, Amrlei ba'ina takhritin. She says to him, I need jewelry. So Avadla. So he gets jewelry for her. Amazing, right? There's a financial aspect to keep it Avayim. Absolutely. That's part of your responsibility. She says, ba'ina gavra. Then this elderly woman wants a husband, which is weird. So na'ayin lach. Na'ayin lach. Ravasi says to her, okay, uh, he can't just produce uh, a chasen for her, but he can look. I'll see if there's somebody suitable. And then she says, She says, I want one as handsome as you. So, so it seems that he thought that this was something was, she was being a little bit off. And so, this is an unbelievable thing. Are you allowed to relinquish your responsibility of Kibbut aim by just packing up and going 6,000 miles away? In this case, Bavel isn't 6,000 miles away, but you know what I mean. So, I saw in the toast, in the, um, I saw in the, uh, R scroll, this is an amazing footnote. He quotes the Rambam and Hilchos Mamrim, learns from this exact incident that if your parents, once he sees that they're in a state of dementia, then you have to, of course, arrange for them in a fitting manner, but what? It absolves you? It absolves you from from taking care of them. So there is some sort of correlation. Not that it absolves you from taking care of them. It absolves you from personally, right, interacting all, every day with them when you're not interacting with an actual person that is aware of their actions. You see what I mean? In other words, the actual physical taking care of them, of course, is very much in play, maybe more so than ever, right? Because now they're vulnerable. So you definitely have to arrange for their... Uh, for their safety and for their being taken care of. But the, the, the daily interaction with them uh, no longer need, is no longer part of it because they are not even aware of what's going on. So this is really, really intense stuff. Okay. So I thought that was worthy pointing out because it comes from here. So now, anyway, he goes to Eretz Yisrael. Then he heard that she's coming after him. She hears that he moved to Eretz Yisrael. She tells whoever her caregiver is I want to go to Eretz Yisrael. So also look at there, Yochanan. So as we know, Rabbi Yochanan was a great god in Eretz Yisrael. And Amalei, so he asks Yochanan, Now it sounds like he wants to go abroad. It's, I, the idea was he was going to go to America or wherever, to Bavel. He was going to go outside of Eretz Yisrael in order to stop her. And the question is, is a human being that live, is in Eretz Yisrael allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael? That's a good question, right? You're only allowed to leave for really good justification once you're in Eretz Yisrael. So Amalei Aser. So Yochanan says, no, it's Aser to leave Eretz Yisrael, right? Except under extraordinary circumstances. That's the Rambam in Hilchas Malachim. 
right? That if you need, maybe if you need a parnasa, at least a isha, or to learn Torah, but to just leave for vacation when you live in Eretz Yisrael, um, so likras, or to, or for any other reason, well, I said there is a very pressing reason. Likras ima. Likras ima mahu. When you have the kibud aim, so in this case, kibud even meaning my mother, what's Allah? So I'm going to let Rabbi Yochanan, the great Gadol, says, I don't know. Which is the greater priority? Being in Eretz Yisrael or being with your parents? This is not the only time that a human being has had this dilemma. Okay? We know many people who are saying, I would love to live in Eretz Yisrael, but my parents are here and I have to take care of them. Rabbi Yochanan did not know which was the higher value. So, Israch Porta Hada Asa. So, Ravasi waited and then went back to ask Rabbi Yochanan again. And Amalai, so Rabbi Yochanan said to him, Asi Asi, I see that you need, you want to go. You, that's pulling you to go to your mother. This is an interesting thing. Hashem should return you in peace. There is the Machlokas Rishonim here. Does he mean that Hashem should, what, let you go? Like, gay gazunta hate? Like, you should go to be able to go to Bavel and he gives him a bracha that he should go because he sees that that's what he really wants to do. That's where his heart is taking him. Or was he saying that you should be able to go and come back to Israel in peace? Be that as it may, you get the idea that he gives him a bracha. He gives him a bracha. He says, you really, sounds like you really need to go, so you should go. And I give you a bracha. Be that as it may, I'll see the Kabeh Rabbi Lazar. So now, Ravasi goes to Rabbi Lazar after having had this conversation with Yochanan, he's trying to figure out, you know, sometimes you go to a gadol and he says bua, and you don't really know what it means, right? You go to a gadol for a bracha because of a specific need that you have, and you can't, and he says bracha v'atzlacha. So is that, are you saying like bracha v'atzlacha, like it's not going to work out and you're wishing me luck and everything else? <laughs> a bracha v'atzlacha that what I'm asking you should work out, right? So he doesn't know what to make of this gadol of Yochanan's response of yachzir chalashalom. So he says, when he said, was he like cursing me out? Was he saying like, yeah, whatever, I see that you want to go, you know, in a sort of like derogatory way, if you will. So Ravasi says to him, is it possible that I made Yochanan angry because I wanted to leave Eretz Yisrael? So Rabbi Lazar asked him, he says, why do you think he was angry? Tell me about the interaction. So Ravasi told him, what? Rabbi Yochanan had said, he said, Okay, if he was angry, he wouldn't have said it in a Lashon Bracha. Obviously, he was giving you a Bracha. So again, just a fascinating thing. You don't see this too often, right? The Gedolim uh, uh, of, of yesteryear, right? In trying to get Brachas here and there and, and not being um, 100% certain about what the, uh, right, what, what the meaning was. Be that as it may, how does the story end? Ravasi hears that his mother had passed and that what's coming to Israel? Her coffin. So Ammar, his reaction was, If I had known that she would die before I reached her, I would not have left Eretz Israel. Sounds like in the end he did leave Eretz Israel. And, uh, okay. And, and therefore he could have waited for her Aaron. He was going really more to, right, to try to do the Kibbut aim while she was still alive, but it didn't work out. Okay, second wide line. So this is a good, that was a good segue into this Kibbutz of Aim when the parent is alive. And also, 
once they pass away. Bechayav Ketzad, how do you honor your live parents? Hanishma Bidvar Aviv Lemakom, right? If in a certain place, right, you're saying something in the name of your father, right? Lo Yomar, you don't say, Shalchuni Bishvilatzmi. Right, send me for me, Maharuna Bishvilatsmi, or hurry me for me, or Pituna Bishvilatsmi, or let me go for my own sake, Elakula Bishvilava. This is a, an idea of where you're in a place where your father is recognized, that's what this means, right? And you are recognized. So let's say your father is a, is a rabbi in a shul, or your father is just a, uh, you know, uh, a respected member of the community. So you should not, like, sort of as, assert your own covered, you should always mention your parents' covered. It's a fascinating idea. Okay, I mean, that's only one way that you're mechavid him, obviously, but this is one aspect. Um, and it re- illustrates the idea that you're always, when your father, so to speak, when your father's around, you understand, right, that, that his presence, right, is sort of like overarching everything that you do, right? So this is a, uh, even though it's, there are many other ways, as we'll see, of kibud, uh, Avaim and Yiras Avaim. This is one of the ways that you express it that just shows that they're ever present um, in their lifetime to you. Okay. Now, Kamoso, Bemoso, Ketsaz, what about um, in their death? So, so, this is well known. When you say anything that your father used to say, you don't, you don't say, my father used to say it, that you, you say that, but you, that's not the only thing you say. You also say, When you quote your parents uh, that are deceased, you say, I should be atonement for his, right, for his soul, as it were. That is to say, right, you're still giving them that cover that should be afforded to them as if they're alive in a way, right, as if they're ever present and their instruction of you is still part of you, right? And so you're saying, that is where my teaching came from and you're acknowledging it. So right, it's a form of acknowledgement of your parents in their, when they're no longer alive, that they were the ones that taught me and I am here only because of their thing and only because of the fact that they gave me life and also I serve to, right, to perpetuate and also to atone for their soul. That's how you say it for the first 12 months, right, of Avelis, essentially, right, after they pass. Right afterwards, you say zichron levracha, and when you mention the name, you don't simply mention their name, but you give a bracha to their memory, for the world to come of their olam haba. Okay. Now, Tanner Bonin, seven lines up. Chacham mishane shem avi v'shem rabo. So, like this, if your father's name is right Yaakov, so then. You don't say, Yaakov told me, right? You, know, you have to say it in a different way. Okay? So it's Mishane Shem Rashi. Let's say you're giving a shear. So in those days, they have a Meturgamon, right? So, right? Right, so you're saying to the Maturgamon, right, you're saying, this is what my father Abba Mori says. You don't say that, so said Rabbi Yaakov. Okay? Right, so he says, right, so Mishan Hashem Avi Shem Rabbi. Maturgamon ain't Mishan Hashem Avi Vid Lashem Rabbi. But when the Maturgamon is giving the shear, okay, so then he doesn't have to change. So let's say you have, 
right? Rav Ruvain Feinstein is, is teaching uh, something from Rav Moshe Feinstein, that's all, right? So, so Rav Ruvain, uh, so, so, so the son would say, right? He doesn't say Rav Moshe said, necessarily. He says, I'll be Mori. But the Maturgaman could say Rav Moshe said. Okay. Uh, it's, not a, it's a little bit unclear, which, to which the Gemara says, who's saying, whose father, who are we talking about? Says the Gemara, Avur Daman. Wait. Whose father are we talking about? The Maturgamans or the Magachir? So it's clear that it's really the Magachir that's saying it. But the Gemara is just analyzing a little bit further. He says, if it's the father of the Maturgaman, so then the Maturgaman also can't say the name, right, of, the, of, the, of his own father. Yeah. It's talking about the, the father and the Rav of the Chacham, right, and that's the name that you can't say if you're giving the Shir. The Chacham can't say it. He says, Avi Mori, to the Maturgamon, and then the Maturgamon himself is going to say, yeah, Ramosha said this, right? Because he understands what, when Ravuvin says, Avi Mori, right, that he means Ramosha, but, but Ravuvin himself can't say Ramosha. Okay. Okay, so there's a story to that effect. the When Mar Barvashi was saying a shir, and he wanted to attribute, right, the Allah to Ravashi, Abimari. So he himself, right, Mar said to the Maturgaman, Abimari, and then Abimari, Amar Ravashi. And then when the Maturgaman spoke, he says, This is what Ravashi said. Okay, so this is a direct illustration of what we just said. Okay. Now we're going to talk about, uh, right, Kibud and Yira. Three lines up from the bottom. Ezu, Marv, Ezu, Kibud. So what are the expressions of, right, because it's Ish, Imova, Aviv, Tirau, there's a Yira of your parents. And kabez avicha vesimecha is a covet of your parents. So mora lo amebim kama v'lo yoshevim kama. So yira means you don't stand in your father's place, you don't sit in his place. V'lo soseres dvar v'lo machrio. You don't contradict your father's words, and if he says a halachic opinion, you don't say right. Um, you don't. You're not machria, which is to say, let's say your father holds of something, and there's another rabbi in, in the community that holds of something else, right? You can't offer your own opinion. You have out of yira, you're beholden to your father's opinion, right? Or at least in public, right? You don't. You don't say keep out of deference. Okay, kibud honor is machil mashke. So the kibud aveim is more like what we talk about taking care of the parents. So you have to give them food and drink. Malbishim mechasa, dressing him, covering him, machnas emotzi, bring him in, take him out, right, take him around. Yeah. So taking your parents around uh, is is uh, is part of the mitzvah. So Yibayalu, they ask as we arrive at Lav at Lamin Beis and Aleph. Michel, me, very interesting question. As parents get older and they're no longer working, okay, but they have let's say an estate, a little bit of money in their bank account. So whose assets? Right, where's the Kibbutz Aim financial? Where's the kosher money uh, obligation of Kibbutz Aim? Are you supposed to, is part of it to do it from your own bank account, from your own money? Or can you use their funds and your obligation is just to take care of them, not financially necessarily, but to use their money to take care of them uh, in every other way? So, Rabbi Yudah Amar Mishal Ben. Rabbi Nelson Bar Yoshe Amar Mishal Av. says that you have to use your own money. For keep it up, aim and and Rav Nasbarisha says you use their money. So Odele Rabbanu Lerabirmiya veAmelei Lebrei Lerabirmiya, Kaman the Amar Mishel Av. So the Rabbanan made a decision, and some say to Rabirmiya, or some say son, that it's Mishel Av. You use the assets of the parents. Meisve, but we have a brisa 
where it says like this, Neymar kabeis avicha v'etzimecha. It says in the Pasuk, as we know, in Eseris Adibros, you have to honor your parents. But Neymar, and it also says, kabeis es Hashem, kabeid es Hashem mehonecha. Right? This is in Mishle. You have to honor Hashem with your money from your home. Right? So that even, you know, your finances, you, with your finances, you show cover to Hashem. So says the Gemara, Malahalan, the Bryce is saying, Malahalan v'chisar and kiss. Right, just like there's a financial aspect to cover Shemaim, I've got Mechisar and Kiss, so, so too Kibbut Aveim should be with money loss. But if you're saying that the Kibbut Aveim, you're using your parents' estate, what's the difference to the son? In other words, the, obviously there is no Chisar and Kiss. So, so, what, so what's the problem, as Rashi explains? Right, in other words, this price seems to contradict the idea that you're using the estate. In other words, if you're using the estate, then where are you using money for your parents? So the Gemara says, malacha. You know, it's true that you're using your parents' money from their bank account to take care of them, but you're taking off days of work left and right, and you're losing money that way, and that is part of the obligation. In other words, you can't say, oh, I don't have to take care of my parents because I, they have to understand that I have to go to work. No, if, if you incur some loss of wages for taking care of them, that's part of the mitzvah. To which the Gemara says, Tashma, shtei achim, shtei shutafin, ha'av uvno. So if you have two brothers or two partners or a father and a son, or v'harav v'talmido, or right, a rabbi and a talmid, podin zel zel ma'isasheni, machilin zel zel ma'isasheni. So this is an interesting thing. Podin zel zel ma'isasheni, we have the Rashi here on top. Second line, We already talked about this, right? Only about a week or two ago, we were talking about the idea that when you're, right, the Yorish, we're talking about the Ger, right? So, and we're saying, can you, can you be Poda and Masasheni one to the other? And we explained the idea and the wife versus the husband. What's the relationship? Could she be Poda and for her husband without Chomish? What did we say? That when a person's Poda and there and you actually instead of bringing the actual produce, you're bringing the money to Yerushalayim. So then you have to pay a chomesh, like a twenty percent uh, extra convenience fee, so to speak, uh, right? Uh, in addition, right? So the money is going to have a surcharge, okay? Uh, but that's only if you do it for yourself. If you're doing it for somebody else, so then you don't have to do the surcharge. So the question is, right? It says over here, it says Rashi, "V'lomina harei kugufo." Right, so another Sharehu Ohava Umazonosava loves. He says, just because, let's say Kibudava aim. There is a little bit of a steer here, we're not gonna get involved, you're not gonna get lost in the weeds, because we said there that Shutfin, maybe you shouldn't be able to do it, uh, at the time. But be that as it may, let's leave that aside. These are independent parties, right? But they're very close, right? There's brothers, there's fathers and sons. So the question is, when two strangers are coming, or not strangers, even the best of friends, if Andrew is Poda Barry's Meiser Shaney, Andrew doesn't have to pay the Chomesh, the convenience fee, because that convenience fee surcharge is waived when you do it for someone else. That's only when you're doing it for yourself. Oh. Okay, so there could be a shtick, that's what we were talking about a few weeks ago, where a wife is doing it on behalf of her husband. So he said, no, 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 gufo. If they're talking about his meister, if we're talking about the husband's meister Shaney, and he's just asking his wife to do it for him as an errand, she still has to pay the, the, the chomesh, right? Okay, but what about a father and son, right? They love each other, says Rashi, and really, it's not that different than a husband and wife, right? When you have parents that you're taking care of, so here you got parents that you're taking care of that you're related to and you love them. So 
should you be uh, paying the surcharge when you're poda there, Maeser Shani? Says the, so the Brice is saying, no, right? Says the Gemara, right? And so, what is he saying over here? Do you pay the Chomesh or not? So it sounds like, right, that you do not have to add the surcharge. That's what the Bryce is teaching you, okay? So, right, so that's what, so that's how Rashi ultimately says, that even though you're taking care of them, you're not, you don't have to add the surcharge. Be that as it may, that's Meiser Shani. And then, Machilin Zelazem Meiser Ani. That's unbelievable. That means something else. That means that, let's say the father is destitute, right? So, can the son, right? So he goes to Rabbi Rose and he says, um, can I give the Maisa Ani to my father? Now, wait a minute. My fa- the father is legitimately an Ani. Daraisa, right? Like the father's an Ani. And so now you're giving, you're supporting your father with your own money. Does it count as your Maisa Ani? That's the question. Can you count it as Maisa? Just like when you give, pay tuition and you ask the rabbi, can I count that as Maisa? Or any other things, she'll do's. And you want to know what does and what doesn't count as miser. So does taking care of your destitute father count towards your miser ani? That's the question. So it says, Machilin says, miser ani. Sounds like yes. Michel Ben. Wait a minute. But if you're saying that it's already an obligation, right, to, so they're bringing a raya now that the obligation is not, right, to pay to your, uh, to take care of your parents financially from your own money. Why? Because if you said that the assets come from the, that the son does have such a financial obligation to take care of his parents, then nimsa zeporechova michelaniim. Right? So then that would be that, how can it count as maeser ani if it's a chov, right? Which is like a debt. That's the point. In other words, if the Torah said that the son's responsibility to his father to take care of him involves the son's own money, so then that would be like a debt that he has to him. And therefore, if that chiv is like a debt, then you shouldn't be able to use it as maeser ani, because that would be like taking the, the debt, right, and paying debts off with maeser ani. That's the question. In other words, just to clarify, the idea that, right, you can count it as maeser ani sounds like it's not a real obligation on the son to do it, because otherwise it wouldn't count as maeser ani. Oh. So Gemara says, no, none of that's true. Lo, tzrikha because you have to talk about a case where you're talking about the father's excess needs. So for that, what? That's not a debt, and therefore you can you could use it as maeser ani. So right? If that's true, so then this following thing that we said about the brisa isn't going to make sense. As follows: What do we say about the brisa? Amar Yehuda, tava meira meira, which is a nice way of saying a klala. There should be a curse, Lamisha Machels of Maiser Ani. Right? So he says, there should be a curse on anybody who uses that which he feeds his destitute father as their Maiser Ani. But if it's talking about excess needs, right? So then why is, what's the problem? Again, wait a minute. So, so, so it's talking about, again, that it's not a personal debt, right? It's talking about, the excess needs, even though he still is technically an ani. So it's not a debt, but you're still taking care of him. So it's just like anybody else. Why are you getting cursed? So says the Gemara, Afilo Achi Zila Bey Milsa. 
that even though technically you could use this funds as Meiser Ani, that is disgraceful behavior. Mm-hmm. That it's curse-worthy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even though it's technically okay, it's not good behavior to double up and use that, right, and chaparain, right, and kill two birds with one stone. You have an obligation of tzedakah, yeah, and you're and you're actually just kind of like doubling it up and trying to get away from giving the more classic uh, way of giving the right of giving the tzedakah and trying to use it for your father. That is disrespectful. It's not the best way to give tzedakah, nor is the best way to to honor your father. So it is for that reason that the Brisa says that we frown upon it. But it's not because technically you're not allowed to do it. Okay. Now, furthermore, in this regard, Tashma Shalus Rabbi Yezar Adechan Aveim. To what extent do you have to honor your parents? An unbelievable, astonishing halacha. We have to dig into what this really means. What happens here? The father takes your life savings, throws it in the river in front of him. Means that you don't even go retrieve it because he has his anger, right? He is entitled to his tantrum. And if he went and retrieved it, he would feel bad about it. That's how far it goes. That's, that's how some of Farsham explains it. That is unbelievable, right? That's, uh, the article quotes the Maharam in a tshuva, right? The father is getting some weird, perverse satisfaction out of throwing your life savings into the, into the ocean. And the kibbutz Avaim goes so far as to give him the benefit of that satisfaction and not countering it by going to retrieve your entire life savings. That's unbelievable. But wait a minute, says the Gemara, but if you say that you only need to provide for your parents, right, with their money, so then now you're throwing, you're throwing away your money. So you shouldn't, my mine, right? It seems like the son's own wallet here is taking, is, is going into the river. Uh, so now the Gemara says it has to be, therefore, we, we severely modify the statement and we said, no, it has to be that it's the father's wallet. Okay, well, it's the father's wallet. Why would he be upset? <laughs> I mean, the father's throwing his own money, right? So if, in fact, it's his own money, why should you be upset? So the Gemara says, you could still be upset. Why? Because after all, your father's at the end of life, and when he's throwing away his entire life savings into the river, you allow him to do that, because eventually, even despite the fact that you're eventually going to inherit it, okay, so now it's a different math, right? But still, the math is still there. You're going to inherit that money, but now you're not going to inherit the money because he threw it into the river. You let him do whatever he wants with his money, and you don't, and you don't say anything, right? Then there was a, a story that illustrated that. did an unbelievable thing. He tested his son's anger by purposely tearing silk in his presence to see if he would be angry. And the Gemara records that. He said to himself, let's see if my son gets angry or not. He literally tested him. Says the Gemara, Wait a minute. He could have been angry. Like he's testing him. And what if he did become angry at his father? That would be a violation of Kibbutz Aim, And it would be a violation of Lifne Iver. Right? For, for Avuna to, to put his son in that situation, right? Because you're not allowed to put a person in a situation of Avera. Says the Gemara, Demachilili Kray. Ravuna waved the honor 
of a cover Mishra Baltashchis, but how about just ripping clothes willy-nilly? That's Baltashchis, you're not allowed to do that. Says the Gemara, the Avadei Bufum Baini. You know, he ripped it along the seams, and that presumably is not Baltashchis, because it can be repaired. So we will uh, resume with this right after uh, Davening Bezat Hashem. So Ravuna was testing his son in a, in a wild way, right? You don't see that very often. He's ripping up these clothing, but he, the Gemara is explaining, he's ripping it at the seams in order to avoid Baal Tashchis. And what about the idea of Lifna Iver Lositein Michshol? The idea that what if, what if his son uh, is going to get angry? So this is unbelievable. The Gemara is saying it's a very unique case. Ravuna waved, and apparently we could, that's going to be the next sugya. Can a father do that? Right? Can a father... Uh, waive his right to the kavod of kibbur Aba'im? That's a very interesting question. So Ravuna, uh, so here it sounds like he held that you could. You could waive the kibbur Aba'im, and really, therefore, he's isolating this idea that he's just trying to see whether his son, Rabba, is actually right going to uh, pass this anger test. So that's how he, uh, right, that's how he avoids the lifna iver. And the way he's avoiding the baltashchis is by tearing at the seams. However, the Gemara says, Vidilam Bichumachi Rasach. Once you're tearing it at the seams, which is fixable, and therefore not baltashchis, which in itself is, right, baltashchis apparently is only if you mamish destroy it. You still have to spend the time to fix it, but okay. So let's assume that it's not baltashchis if you tear it at the seams. But maybe the fact that he could fix it is the reason why he wasn't angry. In other words, what kind of test is this if it's actually not the, something that's uh, irreversible damage. He did it when Rabba was like in a rotten mood. And since he was already upset about something else, he wouldn't notice, this is what how we, the Mepharshim explained, he wouldn't notice that it's at the seams. So uh, he would think that he's actually tearing it, Mawish tearing it, and therefore the test was working. There's no Lifnei Iver because he was Meichel. There's no Baltashchis because it's at the seams, but Rabbah doesn't know that it's at the seams. And therefore, um, Rabbah doesn't know that it's at the seams, Barry. I'm sorry. Rabbah doesn't know that he's tearing it at the seams. So there's no Baltashchis, but he's still able, Ravuna is able to test the sun to see whether he's going to get angry. Amazing. Ukimta on the Gemara. Okay. So our next idea, two dots right in the middle of Lama Bey's Amaralf. So Cheskel was learning with his children. So he's learning with his son Rami. A Mishnah in Sanhedrin. And he says that Anisrafim Beniskalim. What's his case? You had Anisrafim Beniskalim means the death row, right? But some people are Chayef Strefa, some people are Chayef Skila. Which one is more Chamar? Machlokas. Okay. So there's a Machlokas, which uh, in Sanhedrin, we'll get to all of it. Bezrat Hashem. What's more uh, severe? Hanisrafim Beniskalim means that there were more people there with Skila. But the thing is, you, you don't know who's who. And they're all on death row and they got mixed up. But you know that most of these people will have skila. So Rabbi Shimon Omar, you don't have skila, for chamura. So Rabbi Shimon says, you're not allowed to give the more severe punishment. You have to give the more lenient punishment. And therefore here, you're going to give skila because Rabbi Shimon is of the opinion that Srefa is more, um, right, is, is more severe. So Amalai Rabbi Huda Beret. So again, Rabbi Cheskel was learning it with Rami. His son. But there's another son, Rabbi Yehuda, who is Yechaskel's son, and he says, Abba, Lotit Nayahachi. Abba, you can't learn the mission like that. Why can't you learn the mission like that? Let's think this through. It's, there's a, there's a row of people in Iskalim. And Rabbi Shimon is saying that the reason why you do Skila is because it's more lenient. Says Rabbi Yehuda to his father, Ma'i Ritzrei for Chamura. 
Why does Shimon say that uh, you can't learn it from this case? Because typically the Ruba Niskalim Ninu. In other words, if the case is where most of the people on this death row are Skila, so maybe the reason why you're going to give Skila is not because Skila is more lenient, but because you're going to employ the principle of Rove. Most of them are Skila anyway. And so it's a weird case according to Rav Shimon. If what Rav Shimon is trying to illustrate is that Skila right, is more lenient, so then why are you using a case where most of the people have skila and confusing the issue and making it seem, right, because there, right, you're not really, it's not the best test case to teach Rav Shimon's shita. Rav Shimon's trying to teach and illustrate the idea that skila is more lenient, which is his point. And so if that's the case, why are you using a case with most of the people are chayef skila? That goes sort of like, it clouds his point. Says Rabbi Huda, therefore, to his father, has to be that you read the Mishnah that most of the people on this death row were Nisrafim, and despite that, you still give them Skila, and that would be the best illustration of the fact that Rav Shimon holds that Skila is more lenient. So Rabbi Cheskel replied to his other, right, to Rabbi Huda. He, he was learning with, with his son Rami. Huda is the one that piped up. So he says, okay, you know. The Mishnah also has the converse. The converse says, that they hold that Sreifa's, that, right, that Skila's more Chamor, and therefore you have to give Sreifa. So, my ira de Skila Chamor, typically the Ruben Yisrofim, they knew. In other words, whether you set it up as a case of, right, why, why, how is this an illustration, right? You just flip it. You say, how is this an illustration that Skila is more severe? Maybe you would say that the reason why you're you're giving them Shreifa is because the rove of the people in Yisrofim. In other words, Rechezka is explaining to the son of Yehuda that it's either going to be an Yisrofim ben Yisrofim or an Yisrofim ben Yisrofim. But when you read the Mishnah in its totality, one of the ways is going to be less illustrative of the Shita of either Rav Shimon or the Chachamim. And therefore, you know, there's no way out of it unless you change what the circumstances are. And the Mishnah does not do that. The Mishnah is either assuming there's more of these guys on death row, Chayef Skila, or more Chayef Sreifa consistently through the Mishnah. So one of them is going to be less illustrative of either Rav Shimon or the Chachamim's opinion. To which Amalei, Yehuda said to his father, Hasim Rabbanu, the Karmalei Rav Shimon. No. He's defending himself. He's saying, no, the fact that the Hemshech of the Mishnah uh, has Rabbanu's opinion doesn't change the fact that the Yukimta should still be read that Haniskal and Ben Yisrafim, because what it's saying is that the Chachamim are telling Rabbi Shimon, that we're saying that according to you, Rabbi Shimon, according to your argument, right, the Shreifa, that you're saying that Shreifa is more Chamor, no. The reason, even according to your argument, we just want to tell you, Beferish, that the reason why, uh, despite the fact that there's a rove, the reason is, it is, in fact, because the skila is more chamor, and that this is an illustration of the fact that Srefa, in their, right, in their opinion, is more chamor. Be that as it may, that was the discussion between father and son at the table. Okay, so now we get back to the Kibbutz Avayim issue. I'm only Shmuel or Yehuda. So now you have Shmuel explaining to this son, Rabbi Yehuda, who had challenged his father, Yechaskel, on how to learn that Mishnah, and he says, Shinuna, hey, Wise guy. You don't talk to your father like that. The Tanya, because we learned it by Torah. If your father is saying something incorrectly with regards to Torah, that particular case sounds like he's violating a Torah law. So you don't say, hey, dad, you're doing an Avera. It's not how you speak to your father. Or so you say, father, this is what's written in the Torah. But tone matters, right? Because you could say, how are you saying it? The Gemara thinks, when he says, Kach the Torah, the Gemara thinks that you're saying, Kach the Torah? 
Dad, is this what the Torah says to do? Says the Gemara, That's not how you talk to your father. You say, hey, Dad, is this what the Torah says to do? That's not an appropriate way to speak to your father either. Right? So it doesn't help when you say you're doing an Avera. Uh, rather, the Gemara answers, no, you don't say it in that tone. You just say, you know, the Torah says the following thing. I was once in a car with my Rebbe of Shechter, and... And it was pouring rain and I wasn't driving so carefully. And he says, you know, Rav Soloveitchik used to say that when you say tefillah saderach, you don't just say it because of like the, how uh, long you're going and those parameters, but when you're in a muck of sakana, you know, and then he started saying tefillah saderach. <laughs> so he was his gentle way of telling me, I mean, it wasn't a kibbutz aim thing, his gentle way of saying drive slower. Okay. Six lines up from the wide. Elazar bin Masya Omer, Abba Omer, Hashkeni Maim. Okay. This is talking about more kibbutz uh, aveim. If the father says, "Give me water," a mitzvah lasos. Okay. However, what's going on here? Priorities. Dad's asking for a glass of water, but I have a pressing mitzvah to do. I'm on my way to do what? Bury the dead, right? Let's say levayas mace, something that's time sensitive, right? You don't get another chance at levayas mace for this mace. So what are you going to do? So maniach anikvod abba bosa is a mitzvah. So he says, Rabbi Lazar Masha holds, you have to go do the time-sensitive mitzvah. Why? And he, ha- and he gives a rationale. Shani ve'aba chayavim mitzvah. Because both me and my father are chayav in the same mitzvah. And therefore, we're both really beholden to that larger obligation. And so uh, it's really, uh, right? And so therefore, that shows that the other mitzvah shows prior- should have priority. However, yeah, if you could do, if you're the only one that's a mates mitzvah and you're the only person there to do it, so then, okay, so then there is no options. But if somebody else could do it, so then you forego it, even, right, you even forego this time-sensitive mitzvah and in order to do the kibbutz aveim, which is unbelievable, to which Amar of Masna halacha ke'isi ben Yehuda. Wow, the halacha is like Isi ben Yehuda. You see here the incredible importance of kibbutz aveim, that even when there is a mitzvah, right, that is passing, um, that's time-sensitive, you do the kibbutz aveim. Unbelievable. Okay. Can a father or a rav be mochal their kavod? Ask the Gemara. Amar of Yitzchak, the bottom of Lamed Beis Meralf, Bar Sheila, Amar of Masna, Amar of Chista, Ha'av shemachal kavod, kavod mochal. A father can be mochal his kavod, Okay, we saw that with the story of Ravuna. Harav shemachal al kvodo ain kvodo machal, but a Rebbe cannot be machal's kavod. However, Yosef Amar filo harav shemachal kvodo kvodo machal. Even a Rebbe can be machal's kavod. Shenemar v'Hashem olech lifnehem yomam. It says Hashem is walking in front of the people during the day, so he let the people right. He led the people in the desert, so he's actually uh, not asking them to escort him. But he's escorting them. So even Hashem is mochal's covered. Human beings certainly, even if there's a rav, can mochal covered. I'm a rav, hachi hashta. Okay, so then, if that's the case, hasam akadosh baruchu alma dilehu, v'torah dilehu, machal elikare. So he says, yeah, are you going to give an example from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, by the way, created the world and gave the Torah. So, you know, he's very secure. <laughs> so he can be mochal as honor because everybody understands that HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs everything and therefore, like, there's not an issue. In other words, why would you have to give covered? Sometimes the covenant is artificial, right? We're talking about a case of Kibbutz Aveim, or maybe the, the parents are not like, you know, they're not a Kaddish Baruch Hu. They're Shutfin with a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and you give them covenant 
in light of the fact that they are shutrin with a Kaddish Baruch Hu in your very creation. Of course you're supposed to give them that covenant. But that's not to say that they are a Kaddish Baruch Hu. You're giving them that covenant to raise them on that level. But a Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't need to be raised at all. So of course he can be Michael's covenant. He asked the Gemara in the beginning of Lama on the top that what? That Torah belongs to your, to, to your father, uh, to the Rav? I mean, even if the, right, the, 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 you have to give cover to your Rav to raise him up on a pedestal. He's not already on the pedestal. He doesn't own the Torah. So Adama Rava, therefore Rava says, no, ain't Torah Dilehu. In, sorry. Torah Dilehu. Yes. It is this Torah. What do you mean? It says, the Chlip, Uvusoraso, that he's learning what? His Torah. It means that when you learn Torah, you've earned, you've, Basically acquired that Torah, right? And therefore, we should all be zocha to acquire the Torah, make a Torah senu. Okay. Now, Aini, is that really true? That a Rav or can can be machal's covered? But Rava mashki We know that Rava was once serving drinks at the wedding of his own son. So you see, he was machal's covered. And when he offered cups of proper and Ravuna, the common makabe they stood up before him in his honor. Okay, yet there were some, right, when he served some of the other gadolim, they didn't stand up for him. So, Rava did not like that, and he said, He said, these people who stood up for me, those are real rabbis. The ones that didn't stand up for me are not real rabbis. Wait a minute, why did Rava, why was he makbed on his kavod, if in fact you're allowed to be mochel your kavod? So says the Gemara, first of all, there was another incident in that regard. Rav Papa, right, so it's amazing, Rav Papa was uh, the man of Shalom in all of, in all of Shaz. Hello. So Rav Papa was serving drinks at the celebration of his son, Abamar. Right, Abamari Bar Papa. God willing, we'll make uh, the seum and we mentioned this Abamari. Vidali Lake, one of the, the sons of her papa. Anyway, Vidali Lake, Kasa, the Rabitzchak, Raider of Yehuda, Lokami Kame. And when he offered a cup to Rabitzchak, the son of Rabbi Yehuda, it's like, just sit in your seat and let the great god of her papa, you know, serve him. But her papa didn't think that that was cool. So we see that a Rav maybe can't be Machal's covet. So the Gemara, Afilu Hachi, Hidim, Rabbi Lebehu. As Rashi explains, Hidur, Lanu Me'at, Kilo Rotzelamad Mepanov. You ever see when a rav goes in and people don't know what to do? Like they either stand fully erect or they kind of like just do the, the like the half motion. So this is the source for the half motion. At least make a little bit of a motion. So we see that that's not a bad thing, Andrew. You can make a little of a motion just to acknowledge as if you're ready to get up, even if you don't get up entirely. You show a little cover to the Rebbe. What is he saying? He's saying like this, that even if you can be mocha your kavod, that doesn't mean that you're not supposed to give him kavod, right? In other words, he's evaluating these other people. Like, oh, I'm not mocked so much of my kavod, but like a little bit of movement, a little acknowledgement of a papa wouldn't be, would be a good thing. Anyway. That a rav can be machal's covered. Even if you hold that he can, nobody says that a nasi can be machal's covered. However, there's a challenging bracelet. These gedolim were in the wedding hall of Rabbi Shimon Gamliel's uh, wedding. Rabbi Gamliel's son, right? Did I say Rabbi Shimon Gamliel? That was out of habit. They were in, right, Rabbi Gamliel's son's wedding. Rabbi Gamliel himself, who was the Nasi, mind you, was serving them. Rabbi Gamliel would not take 
servants from Rabbi Gamliel. Nasala Rishua of Akiba, but Rishua accepted it. Wait a minute. So does that mean Rishua holds that a Nasi too can be Mechel's covered? I'm Rabbi Yezer. Maza Yeshua, what are you doing, Yeshua? Ani Yoshin Rabbi Gamliel Beribi, right? I, we're sitting, and the great Ram Gamliel, he's gonna, he's gonna serve us? How could you let that happen? You know, we have an even greater example of somebody who's even greater than even the great Ram Gamliel, and he served other people. The, the OG Avram Godol Hadarhaya, right? The original Avram was the Godol of his generation by any, by all accounts, he's standing over his guests. He did it all day, every day. Maybe you say in that specific case, in that pasuk, when you have the three visitors, so you can say, okay, well, he knew that they were lachim. No. He didn't know at the time, perhaps. He thought that they were just a bunch of, you know, Arabs walking through the desert. And still, he served over them. He was mochal on his cover. We're not... Arabs walking through vagabonds, walking through the desert. And Rabbi Gamliel, as great as he is, can't say he's greater than Avram Avinu. And so if Avram Avinu could serve those guests, then Rabbi Gamliel should be able to serve us, which is to say, anybody could be mocha on their kavod. He says, how long are you going to ignore an unbelievable Musr, Quran, it's Musr moment, ignore the honor of a Kaddish Baruch Hu and deal with mere mortals? A Kaddish Baruch Hu, Meishiv Sumala Nisim, needless to say, a Kaddish Baruch Hu is in charge, right? This is a Dafyomi coincidence because we're going to say Ha-Melech, right? Very soon, a couple of days. He's making the winds blow, he, the clouds are rising, Morid Matar, the rain is falling, all at the behest of Hashem. Matzmiach Adama, the ground's sprouting, Orech Shulchan, Anybody who eats right he's giving everybody everything. And so, in contrast to a Baruch who is doing everything, is not every other human being just uh, flesh and blood that we shouldn't just allow him to serve us? In other words, yes, he's great, Rebbe Gamliel. But everyone, every human being, in contrast to Hashem. In relative to Hashem, should be is a human being after all. Therefore, there is no human being that shouldn't be moichel on their cover. To say that a person of any kind, a king, a, a nasi, can't can't be moichel on their covered, right? Is 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 kind of dis um, not giving enough perspective as to what we are as human beings and our failings relative to Hashem. Now there could be other considerations, right? Let's say a melech. So. If you use Mokhal and his kavod, then it undermines his authority, and his authority is necessary for things to function. That's a different thing, right? If you need authority in order for, for society to function, so then you need authority. But if it's just a question of kavod, like, you know, not the pres, not the prime minister, but the president of Israel, you know, where it's kind of just like a kavod position, so then that's already a different thing. So it says the Gemara, Elihi Yitmar, Achi Yitmar. In light of this, uh, right, perspective, we say like this, Amar Abash, Melech Shemachal Kvoda. There you go, right? So even if a Nasi, which is a position of like just Kavod, can be Mochal, a Melech cannot be Mochal. Why? Ain't Kvoda Mochal Shenemar, Som Tasim Alecha Melech. Because that's Xerus Akasav. Shetehei Emasa Alecha, says the Gemara. That is in the Torah. You have to have the Ema of the king on you because that's important for, for that's, and that's Xerus Akasav that, right, that overshadows the, but that's the outlier. That's the real outlier. Uh, otherwise, human beings are frail. You don't have to have, like, no, no human being has inherent cover that they can't be mochalan, except for that we learn that we have to give that cover to a melech, um, and that's learned in the Pasuk. So now, ten lines up from the Y2 dots. 
right? We have the idea of honoring the our elders. Says the right Torah in Vayikra Perikites that you have to stand up for seva and hadarta pnei zakain. So what's seva and what's zakain? Right? Elderly and zakain. And you should fear Hashem. So what's going on? Says the Gemara. You should stand up for an elderly person. You may have thought that the reason why it says it in this double lashon of you would have thought that maybe you have to stand up even for a zakain, an old man that is a degenerate. Says the Right, so the pasuk says zakain to teach you, right? Because zakain means like tamidah chachamim, and seva just means old age. So you, so the reason why the pasuk says both old and zakain is to teach you that you even that you have to stand up for an older person, but only if they're like a shomer Torah mitzvah. Says the Gemara, the ain zakain el right? Because the word zakain implies a wise person. Shenamar esfali shivim ish mizikne Israel. We know that when when it was told when we were told to gather. The sages, it said, Zikne Yisrael, referring to sages, right? So when we say Zikne Yisrael, the Zikanim, the, the 70 Zikanim, are in fact sagely, and therefore it is for that person that you stand up. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Yosef. So, 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 so let's see, let's see. Like, Halacha Lemaisa, do you stand up for any 70 year old? Let's see. It's a good question. So, Rabbi Yosef, Aglili, Omer, Ein Zikane Elamisha, Kanachachma. Again, Rabbi Yosef Aglili is saying, that a zakain is a person who acquired wisdom. Okay? Shanema Hashem Kanani Rishistarko. It says in Mishlei, Hashem was Kone wisdom. So you have to be Kone Chachma. Okay, so it sounds from here that maybe only, only if a person is Chacham, this is not necessarily the Lachla Maisa, uh, because we, we have uh, opinions on to this. But moving on for now, Yachal Yaman Panim Makam at what point do you have to stand up? Like, in other words, does the Zakin have to be aware that you're standing up? Let's say you see a, a Zakin, uh, right, from very, very far away. You're at the Fabrengan, you see the Rebbe, right, miles away. Do you stand up for him? Talmud Lomar Takum Behadarta. It says, right, me place about Takum Behadarta. The words Takum Behadarta are next to each other. To teach you, the only place that you say that you have to stand up is where honor is afforded to the person. And that honor is presumably only afforded to the person if you're like somewhere within the proximity of that person. Therefore, you only have to stand up if they're nearby. Okay. Now, how do you know that you don't have to give his cane money? That's a form of affording honor. Again, the juxtaposition of those two words teaches you. Just like it's free to stand up for somebody and show them, cover that way, then whatever hidr you're doing doesn't have to require financial investment, okay? Require financial investment. Okay, furthermore, from that puzzle, what if you are in the bathroom and you see an old person, or you're in the shvitz, do you have to stand up for them there? No. You only have to stand up in a place where there's hidr, and there's no hidr in the bathhouse. How about yachol yatsim enav, Right, it says that you're supposed to stand up for them. That's presumably if you see them. Can you close your eyes? Well, it says at the end. You should fear Hashem. Right? So can you close your eyes and pretend you didn't see them and thus avoid standing up? The Gemara says, no, because the Pasuk ends with it means it's something that is supposed to be in your heart. In other words, why does it say you should fear Hashem? Specifically in the context of, of, of standing up for old people. What does standing up 
for all people have to do with fearing Hashem. Because the Gemara is explaining that just like fearing Hashem is something that is in your heart, so too, right, standing up for, for um, old people is something that should inspire you in your heart. It's not a technicality. Uh, this is a Dafyomi coincidence, right? Because Yerash Shemaim is the essence of the Yomim Noraim, Be'aresa Hashem Lakecha, right? Um, and also because uh, a lot of people go and they say, we got a phone call yesterday. It's, that's a longer story, but I'll, I'll summarize it. Somebody called, uh, my son and he was in the car to ask him for Mechila. So he said, um, can you be Mochami for Lashon Hara or for anything? Uh, can you be Mochami if I did anything bad to you? He said, okay, do you want to tell me? He said, I can't tell you. Just say you forgive me. It was a, uh, so, so my son said, Mochalach, 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 I forgive you. So he said, and then he hung up. Like the, the conversation ended. So that's not how it works, guys, right? This, it's not like a formula, machalach. Similarly here, it's not like just a formula, you stand up and it means nothing. Or you close your eyes and therefore you don't have to stand up. That's not how it works. This is, if you're going to actually ask for forgiveness, you have to be repentant and really want forgiveness. Be that as, it's not formulaic like that. Okay. How do we know that the Zakin shouldn't trouble people to stand for him if it could be avoided by him walking a different route? Because again, you take the Pasuk, Talmud Lomar, Zakin Vayaresa, that the Zakin himself is implied should fear Hashem. Six lines up. You know, when it says addressing your question, it sounds like you have to stand up for every old person. So why are we saying only a learned person? Ah, so now we have a machlokis. Right? We're going to take the brisa and we're going to explain like this. That the opinion of Yosek Lili is apparently the same as that of Tanakam, which is to say they both agree that Zakain means a wise person. Is that true? Says the Gemara, The difference between them is, do you have to stand in front of a Tamachacham when he's young? That's the question. Not whether you have to stand up for an, um, a degenerate older person. Tanakam is over Yonik Vechachim Lo. Right? So the Tanakam holds that you're not obligated to stand by an, a young sage, only an older even a young startup, Tam we have to stand up. What's the uh, what's the reasoning? My time It has to do with the structure of the pasuk. If in fact it was true, right, then it would have said you stand up for an old person, zakain takum vehadarta. Then you give honor. Why did the pasuk right? Split, uh, split up the words and say in place of atakum vehadarta. Lememar the high lav high to teach you that those two things are separate. Seva is old age. Zakain is right a wise person. Vehai lav high. Right. In other words, one is not like the other. Shmamina afilu yonik vachachim, which to teach you <clears throat> that the word zakain means to any learned person, even at a young age. Wait a minute. If that's true, if you're breaking them up, so maybe seva should be even when they're not learned. Right. So. But be that as it may, but Tanakama Mishum Debai Lemismach Zakin Veyeresa. But the Tanakama reads the Pasuk where Zakin Veyeresa are together, which we already inferred, right, that Zakin, right, doesn't have to bother people to stand up for him, but he also learns it to mean that it has to be a, also, an older Tanakama. But Tanakama, my Taima, what's the meaning behind their position according to Tanakama? It says, Isaac Adaita Kadam Reb Yosek Lili, Im Kain Nikhtav Rachmana, Mipnei Sevata Kumbar. Takum ba'adarta, takum ba'adarta pnei zakein. As if the Torah would have written it like that. Since 
It doesn't say it in that way. It sounds like it's only one category where it's someone both wise and old. As we arrive at Lama Gimel, everybody have a Shana Tova Umesuka.